Hi and welcome to episode 2 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows, I'm the director and owner of uh, Snowpro Ski School, uh, ski school based here in the Port de Soleil. Um, this week my interview is with Jazz Lam. Jazz Lam is, uh, a lot of you may know, he's the director of uh, Bass Ski School in Morzine. And he also uh, heads up the national education team for BASI, the British Association of Ski Instructors. Um, he's also been a BASI trainer in the past. I think he still is a current BASI trainer and uh, has previously been Alpine director. So he's involved in the board level there. So he's got a lot to say from a from a BASI perspective. And, and um, a lot of people who know, know Jazz won't have heard maybe this side of, of what he's got to say. Um, it's a very interesting interview and, and quite candid from 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 a jazz point of view. I think uh, it's certainly the most open that I've seen him for a while. Um, so it's a very interesting interview. I hope you all uh, enjoy listening to it. And uh, without further ado, um, here we go. Jazz Lam, uh, Basie Guru, big boss man of, uh, <laughs> of Bass Morzine, um, and various other bits and pieces. Um, welcome, Jazz. Welcome to the podcast. It's it's an honour to be able to talk to you, Dave. Well, I'm here in uh, Jazz's beautiful house in Libio. It's a rambling old French farmhouse, yep. I guess. Once upon a time. Yeah. And um, just recounting um, tales of my day, which involved being blown off the hill in La Crozet, um, which kind of brings me neatly into what I thought I felt that today was. I've never skied in Scotland myself. But um, so Scotland, uh, back in the day, I remember you telling me tales that this is kind of where you... You came up. This is where you you had spent your formative years of ski instruction. Is that is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, so I started teaching in uh, nineteen eighty four. Um, I'd I'd done a little bit of skiing on uh, the the dry slopes around Yorkshire, Harrogate, some of the the racing around the the, the summer leagues there and stuff like that. But then um, first got involved with with Basie and um, went to work up in Glenshee. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a, uh, I was offered a job um, by uh, Cared Sports um, and they gave me the option of going to Aviemore or to Glen Shee. Um, and I, I, I chose Glen Shee. it was somewhere that I hadn't skied before but uh, at the time they had a lot of cool stuff going on, they had um, mogul competitions that, that were running there fairly regularly, they had uh, Smirnoff sponsored speed ski sprints that were, were going to, to Glen Shee. so I thought that'd be a, a great place to, to go and start working. When was this? Because I know that there was a huge boom in Scottish skiing and they used to bust people up back in the day. I remember seeing videos and things of oh, this and I'm obviously, yeah. you know, never never yeah. wasn't around at that point. But Yeah, so so that it, it was it was massive. I um I think it's fair to say that that it was pretty much around the heyday of Scottish skiing that, that it had been growing um, the resort had becoming more established through the the, the 60s, 70s, but that was the the early, yeah 84 that I started up there, yeah. um, and we were getting um, coach loads of people. We had a regular contract with um, Staffordshire 
council when they were sending a, a busload of of kids up every, every week up into up into Scotland. Um, so it was the days when yeah, our ski school we had uh sort of 10 12 instructors there full full time um and in glenshee there was uh, sort of three other uh, schools that were there full time um so it was a pretty it was a pretty vibrant place to to be based mm. um and my options the way i saw it as i was wanting to come through the the, the basic system and make a, a long term career out of it it was very much about where where was the places that i could go and develop my skills, gain the experience, but also gain the, the, the training and have that that input that was going to allow me to progress through the system. Mm. Um, and yeah. and it, it it was pretty much Scotland that, that you had the, op- the yeah. opportunities to do that in those days. There wasn't, um, the I suppose, the, the broader... Because we were speaking to Phil last time. Yeah. And Phil was talking about the early 90s and, and the Wild West days of, of France. In essence, yeah, but, yeah, very much. But, yeah, but I guess the formative years of of the British Association of Ski Instructors and, and various other stuff was was all done in Scotland. Back yeah, in yeah, 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 totally. And and that's something that, that I I'm really quite passionate about as far as uh, as as far as my um, connection with Basie and, and the years that I've done on, uh, as a trainer um, is is that helping people understand the the, the shift that's happened because the. Mm. It's been massive that that when I came through the system, the options were um, to to go and teach in Scotland, and the only choice was which school, which resort you mm. you pretty much had. Um, that that was the way I saw it. Um, but now, you know, for people that are coming through with a with a level two, um, they're going off working in Japan, Argentina, Chile, all around the world, and it's it's amazing to see that change. There's a whole um, generation of instructors, isn't there, that's never never skied in Scotland. I know, and I, 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 do, <laughs> I do find... I mean, that, myself included, I put my hand up. <laughs> well, in, in, in the olden days when I came through the system as well, it was very much that the, the, the old grade one was where the ISIA stamp was awarded. Mm. Um, and part of the rulings was that you, you had to do your, your ISIA stamp level um, on home snow. Oh, so yeah. the, the old grade ones always used to be run in Scotland. Uh-huh. Um, and and those courses, the the big spring Basie courses, um, were just a, a fantastic event mm-hmm. to be at. So it, it, there was all the, the spring vibe and um, you know good snow in in Scotland, uh, skiing the skiing the the gullies, the Keith Gully, the um, yeah the White Lady, mm-hmm. with so many good skiers. So the bumps that, that you had to ski there, it was it was epic. It was yeah absolutely, um, it was stunning. We're, well, it's we're, such a good vibe. <laughs> while we're on the, the subject, because you, you know my journey pretty well and mm. my, uh, my trials and tribulations with bumps back in the day. Learn to love them now, by the way. It's <laughs> and it's and it's actually it's just a question of time, isn't it? Is time spent in them? Yeah, definitely. I I I always see bumps as um a, a, that that's a pinnacle of of skiing. Mm. Yeah, so everything that, that you need everywhere else comes together and, and you need all those skills mm. um, to, to be able to go and ski the bumps well. There, there's a degree of accuracy that, that's required, um, athleticism, um, which unfortunately I don't have quite so much of any, anymore. But um, uh, yeah, it, it was always always a highlight, skiing bumps. And in and yeah. Scotland, it, it just had some... Do you, do you think that Basie's... Is obsession the right word with bumps comes from those days 
So the sort of the DNA from all of the trainers and whatnot and the, the, the grade one assessments yeah. that you were saying back in the day. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I suppose the DNA says that if you can ski bumps, you can really ski. And that has continued through the system because you've got guys like yourself, you've got guys like Charles Lewis, whatever. Yeah. You know, that those, they're all pretty proficient bumpers and you can you can... You can tell they spent a lot of time in bumps yeah. in the past. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take challenge with the, the obsession, phrasing it as an obsession, but the way you're talking about the DNA, it, I think that's a, that's a really accurate way of describing yeah. it, that um, from Scottish skiing was based around quite narrow runs. Um, so we had, yeah, the, there's, there tends to be snow fences either side Mm. Um, that are there to collect the the snow that's being transported by the wind. So most of Scottish snow um, is transported horizontally on the on the wind. So the snow mm. fences break it up and and it catches the snow. Okay. Um, which does mean that and and the, naturally a lot of gully skiing. So a lot of the runs are are, are quite narrow. Mm. So the there was always a tendency um, for bumps to to develop quite quickly. Mm. And it is part it, yeah. A major part of Scottish skiing was always yeah. um, skiing bumps, and there's some, you know, there's some absolutely epic runs there. The Tiger, the White Lady, as it used to be, um, the, yeah, the Key Scully. The, it, yeah. They got such well skied, well shaped bumps, and it and that has carried on. And now, Bays is running the courses uh, uh, across the rest of the Alps and elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, there's always been that. Uh, connection with with being able and value mm. of of being able to ski bumps well um, mm. that it, it does bring all the you know, all the fundamental elements that, that we talk about all the performance threads that we talk about there's the, there's the mental side there's the physical mm. side and there's the the technical and the tactical side and, yeah. and it's a, it, it's a very pure challenge yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you now. I didn't agree with you back <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the day. Yeah, sometimes it takes <laughs> takes people a while to um, yeah. The, yeah, while we're on this tangent, I think I remember, so I, every now and then someone posted some amazing video of what it was like back mm. in the day on those Scottish bump fields and the bumps look completely different then to what they look like now. And you, I'm seeing actually, so, so we both ski, uh, for those of you who don't know, we both ski in the Port de Soleil region and we often the, the bumps these days, they're cut off. They've got big traverses in them. Yeah. They're a different shape. They're really tight. Um, and actually, I'm seeing some places. I'm thinking over the back of um, over the back side of the wall on your side, on the French side. Mm. There used to be a lovely bumps field down. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the cube or the, something the, the like the that. It's been yeah. bashed flat now. Yeah, and that, yeah. You I think that, that there's um, disappearing. Yeah, so over in, in Leger, for example, there's there's a black run the uh, the Yeti under the roster, mm. and that um, yeah that gets skied really well, gets into a, a really nice bump field, but then every every week, every couple of weeks, they'll they'll piece it and mm. and start again. So um, yeah, I think there is a tendency to get into more. Yeah, peace management and and sort of flatten them more regularly mm. than there ever used to be in Scotland. Yeah, but but you're right that, that a lot of yeah, there's a lot of runs that are renowned for their bumps that aren't skied very well. Mm. Um, and one of the the the, the runs round here that most people will have heard of is is the Swiss Wall. Mm. Um, and personally, I 
think it's a terrible run to go and ski because it, it gets skied so badly and mm-hmm. the the bumps get so chopped off that that there's no there's no joy there's no fun every now and then so, on, as it flattens off yeah once you get down street, and there's a line yeah, you can find something but everything else yeah, is a traverse it's yeah not, the top third is yeah. just just yeah, there's no point trying to ski it mm-hmm. and that and that was that again that comes back to the joy in the olden days in in scotland is that there were so many good skiers that that were there mm. and just sessioning the the same runs um that they got skied really well mm. yeah no it's good i it's as an a, a an extra aside i was in so i spend my wednesdays now in the jura mm-hmm. which is brilliant i love this little station that i'm skiing all the time it's in la uh, so as you go okay. to the airport you see the, the big golf ball on the right oh yeah yeah, the other yeah, side yeah, of that. yeah no way. and um so the week before, every every week so far I've been there, it's been a powder day. It's been, I, I don't know how this is happening, but this week, finally we got a day when it had all been groomed and everything, but we went up to the only black piece they've got. It's called the Four Walls. And I arrived at the top of this thing thinking, you know, it's going to be like a, just a steep, regular run, but they can't get a piece basher down it. Right. The only people that had been there, good skiers. So it yeah. turned into this sort of magical, old-school mogul run with perfectly formed moguls with no yeah. traverses, no yeah. cut-offs. I was like, that's brilliant. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like it for such a long time, especially around here. Yeah. In Port Soleil. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we. There, there are some good ones around here. The back of, uh, the back of Montcherie's always that that always tends to be skied well. Yeah. Montcherie's is such an idyllic mountain that, um, yeah, it tends to only be skied by good skiers. Mm. It's, it's a, a special place. Yeah, it's a really special place. Special place. All right. Um, so the reason that I've come here to to talk to you, so the, the tagline of the podcast, mm-hmm. interesting and innovative people in the world of ski instruction. The reason I wanted to... <laughs> Jazz scoffs. Um, the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because you ran, I mean, we last saw each other at the conference that you ran. Yes. The lead conference. Yeah. Um, which attracted a lot of people. You run it biannually. Yeah. And this year there were some super interesting speakers. Yep. I personally got a lot out of the guys who came from Vocal. Yes. Yeah. Marco. Yeah. Uh, Dave, Dave Sawyer Parker. That's it. Um, and I also got a lot out of. I thought it was an amazing talk by the the, the piece to James. Guys, James. Yeah. Who told us what those guys did, and it yeah. was just fascinating. I could listen to that guy for another three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What brought that? that idea about this conference about and, and uh, maybe you can just explain a little bit more about that. Okay. So, so some of the background. So um, as you're saying, this is, um, this is the second time that we've run the lead conference and the yeah, lead, we set it up as L E A D. So learn, um, explore, um, aspire and, and develop. Um, and the idea was, an opportunity for snow sport instructors to yeah have some broader input into their professional knowledge professional um, situations and yeah have a chance to, to to bring some interesting people in and 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 share knowledge share experience um for for the greater good and that really came about from yeah our core philosophies that 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 we have since we set up um, the British Alpine Ski School in Morsing. Um, we've always had a desire to support Bayesian members. Um, we've always 
run a, a professional program that's that's there to to support you know Bayesian members in in developing themselves personally and and progressing through the system um, and this then was a natural extension of that that, that we're able to start doing something off snow um, and the idea was to do it as as a TED yeah a TED mm. talk basis okay. so so the original idea was was to do quite short sort of 10-15 minute um, presentations but we did realize that in the that, world of skis traps there's nothing like 10-15 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. but but also <laughs> when when we've got really interesting people coming in yeah that, that we we want to give them enough time um to be able to uh, sort of really make it worthwhile yeah. and and really have the opportunity to hear about about what they're saying yeah. um and as you say we've had some we've had some great people we've had henry from Henry's Avalanche Talks come over and, and do it okay. so that he was there as part of the the, the first oh, wow, the first okay. one. Mm. Um, we had uh, John Arnold talking about mindfulness and mindful skiing, um, uh, and then sort of James from uh, the Avoria Ski um, Pistas. Um, yeah, so and Dave Dave Sawyer Parker from Vocal. It was great to to get him over and, and mm. have that that equipment insight. Yeah, um, and see where things are going there. Um, and then we've also had, uh, you know, so again, this year we had Leslie, Leslie Page talking about the, the research that she's doing as far as the PhD that she's doing in, in skiing and ski teaching and where, where that's taking, mm. uh, that's taking her and her thinking and research is going. Um, so we've always wanted to sort of be, a, you know, be open to, to new things and, and be able, being able to, to go and innovate and and set new things up for people, mm-hmm. um, and again that's the that's a sort of personal um, aspiration, if you like, as well. So so something that I value mm-hmm. is being able to to be really open and receptive to new ideas, to, to new thoughts, and that's that's what keeps me inspired in my ski teaching. Now that's that's interesting because I you know with respect you've been around a long time. I've been around a very <laughs> long time this year, yeah. And um, I think that's a fair comment. You know, you, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth necessarily, but I, I think probably as, you know, when we're out there faced with clients, often we're teaching the same thing. Often we teach it in the same way because we know that works and it gets results. And there is something on the other side that says, you know, client is mm. paying you money, therefore we need to be able to t- teach them mm. how to ski. We're not going to mm. go off into kind of, Erythral topics just because yeah. that suits us. Yeah. So I suppose is is what you're doing you're trying to do with that conference is to say, okay, well let's see what else is out there so yeah. that I don't get stuck in my own ways. Because that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Yeah. Also. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it, these sort of things are, are, are really valuable for the industry. Um and I think the the lead conference came about as a means to, to share that opportunity to, to people that want to get involved in it. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> it, it's a really interesting point that, that teaching skiing um, can be quite a, almost a one-dimensional thing that you're going out and doing the, the same thing, mm. you know, week on, week out, season after season, year after year sort mm. of stuff. So I I was very clear from the outset that that to prevent me get becoming stale 
um, and falling into the trap of just doing the same old, same old, same old mm. stuff. Um, that that I wanted to to make sure I was in a position in a community in a in an environment where there were people that were going to stimulate me. Okay. Um, and I think that that came from those first days when I started teaching in Glenshee. Mm. Um, and it was it was probably quite accidental, quite coincidental that I just happened to join the ski school um, when. With a with a group of people that who, that were quite like minded, you know that we, yeah we we sat together having a beer and one of the first nights that that we'd all met, um, and we're sort of saying right, you know, what are you wanting to do? Mm. And right, I think pretty much all of us said that we wanted to work through the system and get our our grade ones and become trainers. Okay. Um, so there, there was a desire within the the my peers when I joined the the school there that we wanted to to get better. Um, and that naturally led to to lots of conversations, lots of chatting about skiing, lots of going skiing together, mm. and lots of exploring ideas and challenging ideas. Also, very fortunate that uh, that my boss at the time was a guy um, Jim Bryden, who became a, a massive, massively influential figure in my life and and uh, and, and a massive mentor. Um, Unfortunately, he he passed away at a at, at a very young age, yeah. um, but uh, but I I was very fortunate to have his uh, sort of guidance, if you like, in in setting up that that idea that that being around people that were going to help stimulate me and keep me um, enthused by skiing, keep challenging me was was something that that I've really valued since then, and mm. and in the in the team that we've got now. Um, we, we've got a, yeah, we've got got an amazing team with yeah, Leslie that's doing a, her PhD D research. Yeah, Ed who's on a tra- on one of the trainers that's just um, just finished being a full time trainer um, for Basie. Um, Andy Jerram, long standing trainer. Um, myself, there's Tom Watts, um, who has been teaching for a long time and one of the most passionate instructors that you'll ever come across. Um, and then Becky. Mm. Um, that, that you know Bex again um, being a trainer for a long time snowboard trainer before that um, Gordon Howe we've got Elaine Adam that, that uh, sorry Elaine Mockery that still comes out um, mm. uh, so the, there's a group of people there that share those same aspirations that, that, that keep wanting to uh, investigate how we can go about being better at what we do um, isn't, isn't there a little bit of a, so, so everyone you've mentioned you know, I know, I say 50 or 60 percent of them. Mm. Um, isn't there the danger that since they're all sort of British Association instructor trainers, whatever it is, isn't there a danger that your ski school becomes a bit of an echo chamber of the same ideas going round and round? How do you, how do you mm. how do you make sure that 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 it's not that? That it's not just a, that it's a, not a regurgitation kind of, of Basie's ideal. I mean, ideal. so you're off to winter ski soon. We'll cover yeah. that in a yeah. minute. And that you'll see, I guess, different national styles mm. of skiing. You'll see different ways of doing things. I mean, I've just, you know, we talked earlier about, I've just gone through the, mm. the, the, the Swiss the system Swiss and they have a slightly yeah. different take on things, but we're all essentially doing mm. the same thing. Um, but how do you... I don't know. I, I suppose what I'm saying is, if everyone in your your organisation is, is is sort of fairly Basie centric, how do you mm. make sure that you're you're still open to new ideas? Because I think that's quite 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think the characters are, are the starting point. Mm. Um, is uh, yeah, it's very easy for individuals to become quite locked on to what they know mm. and what they're comfortable with. Uh, and one of the big things that 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 I yeah I notice within my own teaching is is that the, there's the times that I'll go out and just do the same old same old stuff and go through the same spiel that's mm. uh, that's introducing stuff and, and and what have you but over the last few years I've, I've almost made a conscious decision to try and make myself more vulnerable when I'm teaching um and Ooh. and for me this this mm. is yeah the, the one of the one of Basie's teaching philosophies is that whole idea of being learner-led mm-hmm. um and I think I well what I see is still a I still see a lot of people out there teaching who believe they're being learner led but it's still very instructor led. Mm-hmm. So it's still the instructor that's making decisions about what we're going to do. The instructors quite often will will have those pre-planned this is the route that that I'm going to go down. Mm-hmm. And and what I've been quite consciously trying to do is spend a lot more time Un, yeah, talking to the, um, not just talking to the clients, but but listening to the the clients' answers in more detail, mm. watching their their skiing in more detail, and hooking those things up to to really understand what they're wanting to do, and that means that that if if you like, um, yeah, uh, yesterday I was out with a with a with a couple of folk, and just running a a couple of hours private lesson, and over the the course of the first two runs. I still don't know where that session is going to go yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the content is going to be that that's going to be that that really specific valuable priority points for 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 those clients just yet. So that as the instructor that can be quite unsettling. Um, and that's and that, where you feel that vulnerability. It, exactly, it's that okay. that that vulnerability I'm I'm hearing I'm getting lots of information from the clients um that I'm processing but I still don't know what I'm going to do just yet. It's interesting that because there's a commercial pressure coming the other way, isn't there? We just talked about it mm. a second ago. So these guys have paid, you know, whatever the rate is, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're, they're probably expecting, maybe they're not, maybe they are, maybe they're not, depending on mm. their expectations according to maybe your your marketing or whatever. Mm. They might be expecting you from the get-go, be like, okay, we're going to be doing this, we're going to be doing this. What they're probably yeah. not expecting is you'd be like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so yeah. so I think there is, a, there is a, a, a big part of... I think we are finding that there are a number of clients that will come will come along and they'll they'll get in front of any, let's say, Basie qualified in, in instructor in, from the area around here and go away having their expectations exceeded. I hear that a lot. Um, yeah. So, so a lot, That's for, for a lot of to, yeah. to, to and, this organisation. And, and it's also, I think there's the other side, is that, is that the, yeah, there is this hangover um, of an expectation from a traditional Alpine ski school that, that's going to be quite a low expectation that, that they have. Mm-hmm. So, so therefore, anyone that, that's, that, that's doing anything above that, they're going, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's, that's not really enough. Um, okay. And for me, to keep motivated and engaged in teaching skiing, it's, it, it really is 
genuinely being learner led and mm. and really finding out the details and part of that is educating the, the the clients and and saying to them this is how this is how i'm going to approach the session mm. you know we're going to find out exactly what it is that's going to make the most valuable difference for you the most significant difference and mm. that's how you're going to get value out of the out of the session so there is that period of time where where i'm i'm processing the information that i'm getting from the clients and then um at the same time figuring out a you know, what it is that, that i'm actually going to work on mm-hmm. but then also the next point that i think is is the interesting one as well is is not just what the the aspect of that that's going to you know that key priority point that's going to help their performance develop the interesting bit is then how am i going to present that in a way that's going to stick with them that they're going to be able to take ownership of it and at the end of the session be be able to continue that that development so um, it takes, takes a bit of bravery that because it you know like i say it can take time to formulate that in your mind yes work out what the key issues yes. are and and th- there is always that pressure, pressure um, i've talked to other yeah. instructors about this quite you know a few times is that there's always the pressure to go out in particular when clients are paying a lot of money to go out and deliver straight away yeah. and actually having that confidence to, to set, step back, take the time to find out exactly what the nugget is that's going to make the biggest difference mm-hmm. and then take the time to present that in a way that the clients are really going to take ownership of it and be able to take it away with them. Mm-hmm. That's what's really giving the, the clients the value. The thing um, that jumps into my mind when we talk about that is when we talk about, so I coach football in the summer too, mm-hmm. We talk about the bravery of being on the ball, yeah. wanting the ball all the yeah. time, yeah. and having the guts to, to, to want the ball even when you're not playing very yeah. well or you're yeah. trying to make something happen. Yeah. It won't always work, and yeah. you know to be there and have you know, potential failure. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's one of the things is is that this is an aspiration. It's something that I will endeavour to do in every session and, and, and because every client is different, their needs are, are different. The way that they're going to um, communicate and, and receive information mm. is different. It does become a really unique session if you can go down mm. that route. Mm. But there's also the times that the, 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 the clients aren't really not, not that they're not receptive, but it, it you're not clicking on that same level to achieve that. Yes. So you've also then got to have that confidence that that even if I'm not able, yeah, if I'm not able to build that rapport or get that real link with the client, where it becomes that genuine relationship that can allow really deep coaching to take place, mm. then you can still deliver a session that's going to be above their expectation. Yeah, not everyone is 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 ready for that. No, is ready for that no. kind of uh, sort of deeper session. No, and and there is a there's a lot of there's a lot of consolidation of everything that has to go go on, mm. um, and when I look back at the, the the knowledge experience I had when I when I come out of the old grade one, the the, the mm. level four, um, and even when I started teaching as a trainer, um, when I look at the, the the knowledge that I've gained since then, it does make me think that actually. You know, when you're coming out of 
a system like that, you've gone through the level one, level two, level three, level four. There's a vast amount of, of information that you've learned. All yeah. that professional knowledge is is really quite deep. But taking the time to to then go and consolidate it, and and that's when the real depth and that real opportunity mm. um, comes into to take you from a highly qualified instructor to to a really knowledgeable, experienced instructor that, that, that's got a deep skill set. I think that a lot of that has got to come from within too, though. I think oh, because you've yeah. got... I'm, I, you know, I, I, I get the sensation sometimes when I wander around the mountain with clients and I see people doing their thing. You know, they qualify. They think they know it all. And that's where oh, it stops for them. So there's no kind of yeah, don't get continuation of journey. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's no one kind of thinking deeper about it. Now it might just be that that's the way they're programmed, and that's how they they yeah, are. And they and don't want you know it stops and ends there, and they come up and they do their lesson, and that's that. And, and yeah. probably you know maybe they they make a bunch of money in the season. They spend the rest of the year on the beach. Or something. Yeah, there's and, there's a lot of that, that that goes on, and and one of the qualities that that I value most in people is is that idea of humility. Mm. And that idea that um, that I don't know everything, that there is something else to uh, to to be learned. I can I can I can continue to get better, mm. um, and it, it's that 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 I believe is is the the catalyst, or is that it's that character trait that allows people um, to to really genuinely become the the, the excellent instructors. Um, do you seek that in the people that you you search for? I do now, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I'd much rather have yeah. have a, a a smaller team of people that have got that character trait um, and that are going to fit into into the group of people that, that we've got working with us, mm. um, who are prepared to share ideas, mm. who are prepared to to sit down, um, and and say, do you know what? I, I struggle with this bit. How how can I learn from? How do yeah. you do this? How what, can I learn from you? That's what I seek in better? my my staff, mm. my guys, because they our our training sessions are essentially then they're not just me standing in front of the group. So I know so much, right? And you get bored of your own voice. But our 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 training sessions are deliberately designed as an mm. idea swap. Yeah. So what I know is not what you know. Yeah. And how I deliver it is not how you deliver it. And um, I've learned some amazing stuff off of my guys. Just, just oh, okay, you do this, yeah. Matt, yeah. for example. And I, I don't know why I, I'd never thought of this before, but Matt, for example, will, will only allow his group lessons to kind of stand next to each other with their skis parallel all the time. To get that habit, you know, when they're progressing between yeah, yeah. between snowplow and parallel. Yeah. So no, no, no you, you're at this level now. You've got to stand your skis parallel. It's like, oh. well, my guys, you know, it's like chaos. It'll just come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more crash it into, yeah, 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 just yeah. have to do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so you know, and I, I see little things like that. So, oh, I could use that. Mm. I could use that. And you see these things going on all over the mountain if you're receptive to, to, to taking them on board. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. okay. And, it, it, yeah, there there is a... Um, there's a thread that's going on in, in, in the background and we'll, we'll see where it, where it goes. But um, Paul Garner, um, Basie trainer, national education team, um, he's, he's involved in university, university life. And uh, a couple of years ago, he was talking about the, or some of the research that he's done is come up with the, the concept that 
that we need to have professional knowledge, mm. and that's the bit that Basie does. Mm-hmm. Then we need to have interpersonal skills mm-hmm. and intrapersonal skills. So, and those are the bits that, that are the character traits, if you like. That's mm. how I, I see it. The ability to be able to really have the skills to have the interpersonal relationships mm. and, and build that, um, build a, a relationship, a, a rapport with clients. Um, and then that ability to, to reflect and, and mm. really examine quite critically what you do as an individual. And then that, those mm. are the, the opportunities for, for, for growth, for people to keep the it. Swiss in. have that in their manual, um, quite an important part of their thing they talk about social competencies professional yeah. competencies and, yeah. and various others and um that's that was that was very very interesting because it sort of outlines you know what, what you're looking for mm. but that that client empathy is another another quite important one oh, totally. because i wonder how many of these these sort of fairly young and athletic dudes who are smashing the era test smashing the four tech but they've got no they've come they're relatively young and if, if you're the CEO of ABC Corp and you're out here in Morzine on holiday and, and your ski instructor only knows skiing, mm. I wonder how valuable... Oh, he might be a, he might be an amazing skier. Yeah. But he can't relate to you on the chairlift. Yeah. He can't talk to you about what your life's all about. Yeah. And that, that, that's a lot of what goes on over on my side because we get a lot sure. of weekend guys, our sure. expats, clients, whatnot. Yeah. And... Um, You've got to be able to relate to, to, to these guys. Yeah, you've got to have an totally, element of life totally. experience yeah. that isn't just, oh yeah, I skied, I did this, skied mm. some more, I did skiing on the weekend. Mm. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, there's got to be a breadth you know, and depth to, yeah, to the individual. Yeah, yeah, so. and, and that's totally why agree. You know, I, yeah. I, look, I seek that in my guys. I've just yeah. taken on a, um, a basic level one guy, but his, his energy, um, you know, he only knows a limited amount, but his energy... And his depth of experience before he came out here and made the change to, to come and live in this part of the world, it's it's what carries him along, mm. you know. So he's sort of high in this, but but low in this. But the the experience and the knowledge will come. Yeah, totally. But you can't put a price on totally. that kind of empathy and client empathy. Yeah, and that that's one of the things that that I really. Um, wish we had the opportunity to provide that that nurturing for instructors as they gain their experience here. Um, yeah. That's something as I keep coming back to. That's something that I really valued in in Scotland. Mm. Um, and yeah, we we offer it as much as we can through the professional training program. Mm. Whereas we we we're, we're not just focused on on making them better skiers. Yes. Um. We're we're genuinely wanting to to make them better ski instructors, prepare them so that it's deepening their their knowledge of all aspects of mm. of, of teaching communication, you know, as well as the, the the getting better at skiing and being able to pass the technical exams. Um, I spoke to spoke to John. But it's, it is difficult. Like yeah. And he thinks, as I do, that there's not enough hours required <laughs> but you know he's probably told you that himself uh yeah and, and, and it, I, I, I agree yeah, because I don't again think... i i go back to the the, <laughs> the halcyon days of of skiing in scotland when uh, 
Yeah, one of our buddies was walking up to the coach park, and we were teaching just on the on the heather, just by the coach park in, in Glensheet. I said to Kenny, I counted, he had sort of 23 people in front of him. I said, Kenny, are they all yours? He said, yeah, and so's the line behind me as well. <laughs> you know, the, the, the group management skills that you, uh, that you learnt in Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah, having to manage big groups um, in quite tricky conditions on small patches yeah. of snow. Um, it's a skill that I don't think people have the opportunity to, to, yeah. to find nowadays, to develop nowadays. My guys and, are and I have, six or eight. They don't know they're yeah, born, yeah, they? yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and and I've, I've spoken to people that, that have been coming onto their, you know, the basic level four teaching exams who say that the only time I've, I've taught sort of a group this big is actually on the, the teaching exams. Mm. All they do is teach you know, private lessons with one, mm. two, three, four people. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's a really difficult one because the industry has changed, mm. um, and the opportunities to, uh, yeah, the the big the days of Cairngorm having twenty six, twenty seven ski schools with sort of thirty, forty, fifty instructors each, and the volume of skiers that were going up there, that's that's long gone. Mm. Um, so if if yeah if if the instructors are now getting their opportunities to to go and teach in the resorts where the, the clients are just a private client base and mm. that's where they go and learn their skills yeah it's true um, that, yeah mm. it's, a, it's an uh, interesting yeah, one I, that I, 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 I don't, I don't I, know I, if you can impose it on them no. you've got to go and work somewhere yeah. <laughs> you're going to have enormous groups <laughs> or, or in something else completely <laughs> um, oh, yeah dear. it's true yeah. you're, you're a little bit limited I suppose probably one of the things that that the way that the you're in France, obviously, and, mm. and the, the old days where you had to... It's not even old days. It's not even that long ago that you could still have stagiaires yeah, the, within your yeah. schools. I don't think no. it's possible, and it, you, you know better than I do. Well, yeah, that, that was something. We we were able to... Um, yeah, so so one of the things is that the, the British schools have never been able to, to have stagiaires. Mm. Um, but what we were able to do for you know, four or five years, um, we were able to take... Uh, so the Basie Level 3s were able to apply for their um, stagiaire paperwork. Mm. Um, and for, our, then, for our listeners in the US and Canada, I'm being optimistic here, but stagiaire <laughs> means trainee. Yeah, so so they, they could apply for their, their status as a trainee in a French-registered mm. training established yes. establishment. Um, and... Yeah, we've always worked on with that philosophy of wanting to collaborate with, um, with the the local community. Um, so when we set up in Mortin, we we shared an office with the international ski school here, yeah. um, and that meant that that we were able to uh, use a relationship with them. Mm. So they were employing, um, the stagiaires were were in their ski school, but yeah. we were able to to use the stagiaires. Um, for our clients, okay, um, and then they were they were training with us, so that 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 worked really well for a number of years, and and we we had a number of people that came through their level four, um, yeah, through that process mm. and through that journey. Yeah, um, it was a shame that that stopped, um, and it's also a, a shame that the yeah the the MOU discussions that are going on as far as the the, the European uh, professional card mm. um, for ski instructors you know the the conversation was always going to be that, that as soon as they've sorted out the top level alpine 
qualification, they were then going to start looking at the other disciplines and other levels. Mm. Um, so there, there, there was hope, or maybe I, I was quite naive in, in the idea, the thinking that the the could be an opportunity for sort of reopening those conversations and see if there were opportunities for uh, British stagiaires to come and work in in training centres, mm. uh, British training centres in, in France. But of course, the uh, now that we're leaving the European Union, then we're not going to have the opportunity to see whether that, that could have been uh, something I, I, that I deliberately haven't written that subject down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, we don't need to go well, into while, that at Yeah, all. we're in Morzine yeah, and yeah. there's plenty of people who are, I, I'd say, probably worrying about that deadline. But uh, it's, it's... It's interesting, interesting times. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly that. Yeah. It's interesting times. hope you're enjoying my chat that I had with Jazz um, at his beautiful house in uh, in, in Le Biel in, uh, in France. I thought there's really interesting stuff about the early days in Scotland and, and um, later on in the discussion we, 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 we touch on some also quite interesting subjects in connection with uh, Jazz's thoughts on um, ski schools, qualifications, competition and, and the Morzine area in general. So I hope you enjoy the second part of the podcast. Um, I very much enjoyed recording it and um, I know that the first few have been quite Basie centric British Association centric but actually then interviews that we've got coming up uh, I've got some interviews with um, some guys who are qualified through the PSIA system um, the American system um, and also um, from the Irish side I've got a, I've got um, two or three guys who are, who are representing the Irish Association of Ski Instructors. So I think they're going to be uh, super interesting and a slightly different take on everything. So um, enjoy the second half and uh, I'll catch you in episode three. Okay, while we're on the subject then of, well, we were on the subject, I'm going to jump back to it of general education and, and the wider mm-hmm. wider looking at things. The national education team and then part of that which goes to Interski, I'm guessing yeah. they're one and the same thing. Or uh, yeah, so the, so the some background team. yeah, some background with regards to that, because this is the first cycle of the, the national education team. Yes. So before um, it was Basie goes to Interski. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so Basie's had a, a, a really sort of deep history of of attending in attending into ski into ski congresses, mm. um, and again, I, I really like taking the opportunity to to reinforce the value that that it's had, and in particular going back to 1995 mm. when um, Basie sent a delegation to to Japan, and the impact that that team had at that event has been the launch pad for, for Basie gaining the recognition that, that we have, that we benefit from now. So 95 was the first one? No, no, we've, going back into the 60s, 70s, oh, right. Basie has been attending Interskis, um, but it, it was everything, the philosophical changes that, that Basie were going through, through that early, through that era in the early 90s, that were then presented at, at Interski in 1995, that's, 
when the other Alpine nations in particular started mm. to stand up and take note and say, these people are really good. And with, so in 1995, what was say different from 1985? What was what? What changed so, the philosophy? So uh, apart from the the skis around the hero. <laughs> okay, right. Here we right. go. Yeah, we may need a couple of hours. For this <laughs> um, so, oh, where do I start? Um, basically, it was that era when the the philosophies changed, and it went from from being the old Bayesian system that that I came through the system with. Mm-hmm. And and that's when the new idea of the fundamental elements was introduced, and therefore, okay. and off the back of the the fundamental elements um, central theme being developed, mm-hmm. um, and a simple way of explaining the significance of that is is that Bayesley went from having a bottom up system to a top down system. Mm, let me have to let give me, more yeah, on that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where I tend to have a bit of paper or a bit of snow that I can draw on. Yeah. Um, so if you imagine in in the olden days, what what so as I came through the Bayesian system, we were taught a progression that then that started off with um, introductory activities, straight running, mm-hmm. um, and that, so we used to teach people how to do a straight run. Okay. We used to then teach people how to do a snowplane. Okay. We then used to teach people how to do a snowplane turn. We then used to. So far, it's all the same. No, 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 no. Bear with me, okay. because it, it is. It, there's there's a really subtle but significant difference mm-hmm. here. Um, we then used to teach people the technique of doing snowplow turns, mm-hmm. and what we used to to call the basic swing. We used to teach them that technique mm-hmm. of the basic swing, which was starting in a plow, finishing with with a parallel shape. Mm-hmm. We used to teach them the technique of parallel turning. And that meant they they get to that stage of parallel skiing with one with their technique with in this place. Part. Yeah, one, one um, So then, as they got to to ski more of the mountain, we had to teach them the, the techniques of compression turns to ski the bumps. Had to teach them the, the techniques of short swings to ski steeper slopes. Mm-hmm. Various step turn techniques to do a variety of stuff. And. Through the late 80s, 90s, Bob Kinnaird and Jim Bryden, as, as chair and uh, chief executive of Basie, mm-hmm. um, commissioned um, an Alpine working group, which Phil Smith was very influ- influential in, um, to do a review to, to come up with whatever was going mm-hmm. to be next. And what they did is they looked at all high-level skiers. So they, they looked at all the best skiers in the world. And started to see that the, the commonality between all the, 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 the top skiers in all different nations were a couple of... They could see that the, the common stuff that was going on, that they all managed their bodies, mm-hmm. that their skis um, needed tilting, yeah, rotating mm-hmm. and, and pressurizing. And they did that to control speed and line. So, so they then came up with this idea of the fundamental elements. So body management, steering, and and control, and decided that actually what we need to teach people to do is we need to teach people the skills of skiing, which are the fundamental mm. elements. And what we don't want to do is teach them the techniques of a snowplow turn. Okay. So, and you you could you could take it into that sort of philosophical argument or or a, a um, some 
ethereal <laughs> situation where we're going. The ideal would be that, that as British instructors, that's what we teach. We teach people the fundamental elements mm. or we teach people that the performance threads includes the fundamental elements. Mm. So um, that's what we do when we go out and, and we teach people to ski. The, the challenge then came is that's fine if you've got that deep understanding of the fundamental elements, how they all interrelate with each other. Mm. But um, as a novice instructor, as a less experienced instructor, how am I going to take all those fundamental elements and present them in a, in a logical, progressive and natural way? Mm-hmm. And that's what the central theme ended up being. Okay. So, so the central theme is about... Yeah, as we're we're getting into, um, we'll use sliding to mm. to develop balance. We'll use sliding to develop posture, to mm. de- develop movements. We'll use uh, plow turning to develop rotation, control of rotation. We'll we'll use uh, a plow parallel to develop some pressure control. We'll use mm. parallel to develop edge control. So therefore, they they people develop the the skills. So that was pretty much what was presented at um, Interski in 1995. And that's what caused, like, the sort of catapulted the British onto the world stage. Yeah, and to the extent that when we went to Ushuaia, Interski in Ushuaia in summer 2015, um, myself and Becky delivered our... um, our workshop, which was entitled one of our workshops, which was in, entitled um, "From Form Based to Skill Based," mm-hmm. and and again we presented exactly the, this stuff again. Um, and at the end of it, there were a number of the nations were saying, "My God, that's groundbreaking stuff!" To which we were going, "No, we've been doing it for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what we presented twenty years." Yeah. Ago. Um, so uh, so where was I? Yeah. So that so that's the idea of of. Um, yeah, where all that's come from. Uh, Interski has always been a, a really important part of, of Basie gaining that world recognition. Mm-hmm. And because Basie members, in particular now, where Basie members don't have the opportunity to go and teach in Scotland, mm. their work opportunities are around the world, yes. which makes it even more important that, that we go to Interski and present basic qualifications in the association as something that that other nations should be embracing mm. and that they should be embracing basic members to come and work in in their schools and their systems um one of the the challenges that that we we came across over the past couple of cycles is that the interski event is quite a big budget mm. for a team and a delegation to go to an event like that that happens once every four years. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot of training camps that the team need to do to to prepare. Mm. Um, I saw and, some Facebook noise about yeah, that. and, and, and half a million bucks or something last time. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. I'm sure it's, it's not. As it's considerably that. less than that. Okay. But but the idea was that, that there was a big budget that, that's being spent for four years. Mm. Yeah, it's being spent for one event that happens every four years. Mm. Um, and there, there were some Basie members that that were challenging the benefit of it, um, and and mm. rightly so. And so there's two things that that we've been looking at doing. Is one making sure that we're being more active in letting Basie members appreciate how important it is mm. for them 
to be represented at an international event like that. And secondly, we'd be going, right, rather than just having that team being active for a full cycle and doing all the camps and the training and everything like that, just for that one event, mm. let's make sure that we can use that team of people over um, over more events over that cycle. How is that happening? Because I don't see anything other than a few Facebook videos going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, so so the, the, the know, nice skiing, but I don't see I don't see any like clinics for local men- members or whatever that kind of thing. Good. You will. Okay. And and that's those are the things that that, that are starting to come out now. Mm. Um, so what what had happened in after the Ushuaia interski is that uh, Basie then made quite a conscious decision to use the interski team as the delivery team at the trainers conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's the first extension of it, if you if you like, in that the it's the national education team. That are being selected, they've been selected. Um, they have the opportunity to develop the workshops for for Interski, and under Roy Henderson's training manager, under his guidance and direction, that's the body of people that that have then been tasked to put together all the content for the trainers conference. Okay, um, and then they go and deliver it at the, at the conference. Okay, that's now going to start to be rolled out so that there will be opportunities for members to to go and do sessions with national education team members Mm. where they can either find out right this is what was delivered at the conference once we come back from um from pamperoval we'll be able to go and do those workshops and and this is a chance for members to come and ski with the education team that have been there and say, this is what the Canadians were doing. This is what the Americans were doing. This is what the Argentinians are doing. Mm. Yeah. All those sort of things. This is what we presented there. So it's an opportunity for the members to, to, to have that, have that contact. Cause it seemed to me that in, in past into skis, it looks to me from the outside looking in that it looks a bit like, a bit like a closed shop. You know, the guys in the past that have gone, been, seen it, but none of that ever comes out. You get the odd yeah. video here and there. There was a yeah. fantastic video on YouTube somewhere by a Canadian guy who is analysing all the different styles yeah. uh, between the nations. But but so if you can give for the for the benefit of people who've never been to Interski and probably might not, what does Interski look like? How many days does it run over? What's the format? How does it right? You know, roughly, it's it incredibly like? intense. So uh, it tends to be a five day format. Um, and each day, each day there will be. Um, I think there's going to be technical demonstrations each morning, um, okay. and then workshops. Technical being, demonstrations, as in synchro. As, as in, uh, yeah, as in some some synchro stuff um, on the demo slope. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be a number of nations each day. So each uh, each nation will have one day that they're delivering. Um, their technical demos mm. and their Workshop. workshops oh, wow. and okay. off, off snow workshops as well. Mm. Um, so when we're not delivering, and the, the way you are brief for this year is that we've got two technical um, demos to do, mm-hmm. which are quite specific, short radius, long radius, short radius, technical demo two is long radius, short radius, okay. long radius. And um, and that I think that's going to be a chance for for the nations to do much more detailed comparisons, mm-hmm. um, and then we have two show runs and a closing ceremony. Um, but outside the day that we're actually delivering, then our team members will be 
watching the the demos and attending the workshops of other nations. So it's adding to the knowledge base. Yeah. And then hopefully they come back and the idea is they filter it out into the wider yeah. membership. And, and and I think this is, you know, we're getting into a stage where um, social media and the way that we can present information is much more accessible to people now. Mm. Um, so I I was part of the Interski team in 2011 in St. Anton and then in 15 in Ushuaia. And as part of coming back from that, we wrote quite... No, not massively lengthy, but but um, but we we wrote summaries of the workshops that we attended. Mm. That was all collated and and published to Basie members. Um, but it's amazing how I don't think I've come across many that have actually read <laughs> I don't that. Know where it would so be. so yeah, yeah. So it, it is that yeah. The, the information was there, but it was it was in a very um, unaccessible way. It's in mm. a big document. Um, so making that information more accessible to members so we can, uh, yeah, they, they can see it in a video. Oh, I'd love so to. We're, so we're looking at, we, we are, the, the we are looking at ways that, that we can make that more accessible through this, mm. um, through this camp, uh, through this um, congress that we're going to. I think, I think the different um, national styles of skiing is one of the most fascinating things, out, yeah. you know, within skiing. Yeah. Is that the, all these countries have gone down different ways? Yeah, the, the, they, there is very much a coming back together. The the, the mm. majority are, are, are all coming back into yeah. They've gone different ways and gone through different styles and funky stuff, but mm. but most of them are, are, are converging back. It's quite interesting to see mm. a lot of similar similarity coming back in. You think yeah. if you if you want in the way it's being presented is quite different, yeah. and the, the the teaching philosophies as far as the. Um, their, te- their teaching progressions are quite interesting. Mm. Um, and and also the nations that are quite developed in uh, in how they're structuring that mm. rather than just that traditional instructor tells you something, client yeah, does yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, those, those are the interesting areas. But then, um, so, so that's the way that the, the format works is that there's... Um, on snow stuff in the morning, there's uh, the demos in the morning, there's the workshops in the afternoon, mm. off snow uh, workshops in the evening. So when we're, yeah, the last two Interski Congresses I've been to, it's, you know, it's early mornings and you, you don't stop. Quite often um, you're struggling to, to find a chance to eat anything because mm. you're, you're finishing from one bit you're having to get to the workshop, so you you're not having a chance to to grab yeah stop and get any lunch. You're finishing that. You're running off the hill. You're getting changed to go into presenting something or going into the the, mm. the evening sessions, and then as soon as we finish that, um, we're we're back to the hotels trying to collate all the information that we've got. So it's um, you don't you don't have to sell it to me that oh. you're working harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Do, do I believe you. Know you. It, it, it's. <laughs> It is. I don't think people would appreciate the intensity of work that goes on there, but mm. there's there's no doubt that it's uh, it's an amazing experience to be involved in, uh, a really enjoyable, intense period of time, and you know, for this year, I think we're sharing a hotel with the the Americans and the Kiwis. So even just being in that, mm. yeah, in that, just having a chance to to sit over a. a, a drink at the end of the day and, and chat about stuff it's yeah mm. it's a great event to, to be able to go to it's interesting I think um, looking at these you see a lot of media on uh, 
media on Facebook, whatever, Instagram, whatever, you see a lot of the, a lot of the, the Southern Hemisphere, the Australians and the, the Kiwis seem to have gravitated towards maybe this Japanese-Korean style. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cross-undering going mm-hmm. on. And it, I'm, I'm very interested to see where that's going to end up. Because I think there's more than one way to skin a cat when you're skiing. Yeah, but, totally, but it looks totally. to me like that, that you know that seems to be their style that they ski around mm. all the time. It's quite hard to do a cross under all the time, all the time, everywhere you ski. Yeah, do you know Especially what, when we it were, gets really steep. Yeah, so um, yesterday <coughs> afternoon, um, I was out. Leslie, Leslie has been running our Pro 4 training this, this season. I went along with them for an afternoon yesterday. Mm. Um, and there was a just jumped into part of the conversation where someone was talking about, oh, yeah, that was really different because I'd, I started doing a cross-under. Mm. Um, I was saying, actually, that's quite interesting to hear that because it's something that, that Basie went through a, a, a quite a small window where we were talking about cross-unders, you know, talking quite mm. explicitly about cross-unders and cross-overs. Um, and that's, that's gone by the wayside again with this idea that, that we're not wanting to impose any set technical movement pattern mm. um, there will be times when we're, we're crossing through with a slightly lower yeah. centre of mass there'll be times that the, the centre of mass is a little bit higher and it's, it's going through so you do whatever having, you need having to some do, freedom right? not, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that's my take on mm. it yeah. if, if you had to it's a whimsical question do you do you if you didn't ski like a British skier, say, or Scottish skier? Um, well, if you could be any any other nationality, do you, do you have a do you like the way that any other nations ski? When I look at, say, for example, when I see the the top French guys, yeah, well, they're really free. They just yeah. wave their arms around, and do whatever the hell they want, and they still really perform. Do you know? It, and, and, and the Swiss it, are amazing about how they yeah. go over the ski so far. Yeah, I'm a listener. I'm I'm doing a massive inclination movement with my arm and elbow they go right over and then their their angulation movement yeah uh yeah. happens right at the last minute yeah. and, and it's they look especially free yeah over the top of their skis the swiss yeah again the, the you, i think all the all the alpine nations i, I still admire their skiing mm. yeah the french the austrians um i, I like the the argentinians mm. um yeah, so again, it's going to be interesting to go and see mm. see this time round, see what everyone's doing. Yeah, I hope it doesn't become homogenous because I think that's part of the fun, isn't it, of going well, th- around the world and kind of yeah, seeing the, 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 the way, way that people do things. Yeah, and and I yeah, I'm I'm so sold on on Bayes's philosophy, in in that we we can have technical accuracy without having a technique without having to apply a specific style to it so we can have people that, that are that are achieving yeah achieving the outcomes that we're wanting really skillfully mm. but with their own individual morphology that's allowing them to have a you know, quite an individual style on it do you think that i think a lot of the basic top guys all look the same but then they probably say that the old the top Swiss demo team all looks the same too. Yeah, yeah. So there's obviously something that comes it, up through the bottom and of it, it, it's something that the yeah, for the the team that we've got this year, you know, when we're looking at, at the team, you look at um you know, Jimmy Lister skiing, you look at Jai skiing, you look mm. at um 
you know, Amanda skiing, you know, Lynn and Leslie skiing, they're all incredibly talented skiers, mm. but they've got quite an individual style. Even the younger generation? Yeah. Again, you know, if you put James, James Bennett in there as a, you know, one mm. of the younger skiers that, that we've got in the team, he's... Yeah, he's pretty There's good. There's no one else who's yeah, like yeah, James yeah, Bennett. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. the French yeah, exactly. singer James Bennett yeah, exactly. pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's true. There, there, is a, there is an individualism. Mm. Um, and yeah, there, there are a lot of teams that, that I don't know whether it, it's it's deliberate that they're, they're going for that consistency and yeah, almost trying to use the team to illustrate this is our... This is what approach this is what yeah. we we mm-hmm. do um yeah my take is is yeah we're we're about the fundamental elements we're about skillful skiing they're all every member of the the, the team that's going to enter ski is an incredibly talented skillful skier mm. um if they don't all produce exactly the same body shape then that's that's not a bad thing oh, i say that to my guys all the mm. time because we're a lot of us ski similar in my ski school, but the uh, actually when so we, I was talking to a client about this on Thursday, and she was mm. saying, "Oh, you know, there was an instructor had told her something like she's a very efficient skier, but she's not a very elegant skier." And I was like, "Oh, I see. <laughs> That's a bit. <laughs> I would never say that to a client. Well, why? Yeah, yeah. But secondly, yeah. that guy clearly does. Whoever that guy or girl clearly doesn't understand." There's, you you the way your body is built dictates what you look like on snow. Yeah. You can do impressions of people, sure. Yeah. But yeah. the way that yeah. your body, yeah, you know, efficiently yeah. works is the way that your body efficiently works. It's not the same. My yeah, not the same, same that same. I work here. And it's that, that idea. And I said of, to yeah. her, you know, you're not not everyone's going to ski like um, she was American. So I related it back to that guy. What's his name? Stein. Uh, Stein Erickson. Is it? Yeah. The guy in the U.S. Like ski, you know, feet together. Arms out wide, just you know, gracefully mm, going down yeah. the mountain. So I think he's built, he's yeah. built like that. Yeah. That's just back in the yeah, 50s, back 60s, in the or whatever. But you know, that's how he's built, so mm. that's how he skis. Mm. But you're not going to ski like that. I'm not going to ski like that. Mm. I know that I'm not going to make the same movements that James Bennett makes mm. because I'm not built like him. Yeah, totally. You know, and I don't know, that's, that's quite an important bit of skiing that, that a lot of people over it, it's Yeah, the clients that, that come along and, and say I'd like to be more stylish you know, what, <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, what what is stylish to one person yeah. is, is not stylish to right. another person yeah yeah so yeah so it, always try and bring it back to to that idea yeah. of skillful, skillful so skin, it, right? it, it being it's different it being efficient people. effective yeah versi- versatility yeah, those are the, the key ingredients that we want while we're on the topic of individual flair, I'll take you back to when we were skiing together maybe five years ago on some sort of basic performance course or something. You were having an experiment with some long poles. Uh, I, I, I went... remember looking at you going, <laughs> crikey, those poles are long. And you said, yeah, they're 130s. Yeah, I'm, no, quite, I, I'm really I, working I, 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 uh, Yeah. And I was okay. So I'm I'm not because of you, mm. but I'm, I use 130s. I'm, what am I, I suppose, six foot, six foot one. Um... I don't know. I like the way that 
I like when my hand arrives with long poles. Mm. Short and poles don't just don't do it for me. Mm. What were you doing at that point? Uh, if you I, I, yeah, so I I was going. I have been through phases where I've I've used longer and shorter poles, um, and I think I tend. I tend to be on a 120 now, but I think there, there was a period there when I went up to a 125. Um, and that was that was going through as the uh, as the plates on the skis just got a little bit higher. Ah. Then I was naturally, yeah, you were naturally coming off the snow a little bit more. So I was standing on a, on a higher platform off the ski. Um, so I, I did go for a, a, a slightly longer pole for a while then. Oh, this is an um, equipment issue rather than yeah. where your hand arrived yeah. kind of issue. Yeah. That, that was strikes me as a bit short, though. Uh, I, do now. you know, I used to I used to chop my poles down to a one, two, um, well, used to go to about one, two, two. Huh? And then I found, I just settled with a 120. Mm. Um, and that's that's a, a pole length that I quite like skiing with mm. now. Um, and I think the trade-off is, is as you... As you start working more laterally, then actually having a longer pole can it can just yeah yes. can get get in the way a little bit on mm. that that inside hand a little mm. bit. Um, yeah, pole. it's nice to play around. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, as long as there's you know any any particular thing behind it, I've got two more topics left if you're interested. Absolutely, one's about Morzine, this beautiful place that you live in. Mm. Um, or not living, rather, you're on the outskirts of Morzine. Yeah, so, so I used to live in, in the village itself, and then uh, slowly as uh, family life dictates, you you move just a little <laughs> okay. bit further out of the valley. Yeah. yeah. Um, Morzine itself, it's the butt of the jokes, I think, around the region. You know, there's only English people here or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not in my experience, not completely true, but it's it's certainly hard to speak French here sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very anglified and there are an awful lot of ski schools here in Morzine especially in recent years mm-hmm. um, is the market that big or, uh, or no. is everyone cutting each other's throats yeah I, th- I think for, there's, for business I think there's a lot of that I think there's a lot of scrabbling around um, for, for trade I think uh, no matter how many instructors were here through that February half term period, they probably everyone would be full. Mm. Um, but through the trying to sustain a volume of work for people through through the whole of the season, um, I, th- I think it is getting to that stage that that we've we've reached market capacity, and yeah. I, I've I've felt that for for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and, and what we've seen a, I think in Morzine isn't it that you've got there's been a few guys that have worked for you I know a whole bunch of instructors who have been working over on the Swiss side that I used to see regularly have now qualified yeah and they're immediately over here and I'd say the more enterprising ones immediately set up shop yeah uh, yeah because because I guess they feel that there's enough work here yeah I, I, I don't know why um, yeah the there's, I'm sure if you looked around, there's loads of resorts where there's a there's a market that's that's right for development. Um, I'm so I've always been confused as to why everyone comes to certain centres. There seems to be an awful lot of ski schools in British or, or Anglophone ski schools in what the Three Valleys, yeah, like Maribel, yeah. various places like that. 
here is one of those big places. I guess yeah. Val d'Isere is the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess those are the, the, the three centres. I mean, there's other places in... There must be other places that British people go to in France yeah. that, that, yeah. that are ripe for development, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, would, I would, would have come up so. to a place with so, already 20 or 15, 20 ski schools and then, yeah. then just plonk another flag in the ground. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it, it's getting harder and... Um, for many years, as as I noticed, or as that started to happen, then then it is the the case that competition isn't necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. in that it, it 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 means or it has meant that we've had to be really clear about what we're about mm. and and making sure that we're able to continue to differentiate ourselves from from others, mm-hmm. um, and and that's something that that we've been able to do fairly consistently for the last 19 20 years since since we've been here um it what i see now is is quite a uh it it, it there's quite a change from from when we first set up mm. and and it's almost like the pendulums sort of swung back in in reverse in that that when when we set up there was the the ESF, the International Ski School, ourselves as a British ski school in in Morzine. The, there were there's probably one or two British independents working. There was Ian McKellar mm-hmm. um, running up in Avoriaz, but on our side of the mountain, it it was pretty much the the three of us. So it was really quite. It wasn't difficult for us to to set up with that idea of we want to be really high quality. And in order to deliver the best value, best quality service to British clients, then we need to have instructors that, that genuinely have a deep understanding of, of skiing, communication and teaching, but have got the language skills to be able to do that. Mm. Um, what we what then happened you know, it was quite a compliment to, to us, is the ESF. Then start, Then they took some of their best English-speaking instructors and set up the snow school uh, yeah, in, our, in our image. Oh, um, really? Uh, and they sort of recognised that. Uh, That's that quite innovative, market. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was brilliant. Wow. Um, and, and they're very successful as well. Mm. And we've spent so long trying to... M- you're, you're continuing to to deliver that um and what we see now is a lot of the, the the schools that are setting up now don't seem to have the same integrity that that i've always felt that that we should have mm. so they're they're employing people that that don't have the depth of language skills to really genuinely communicate with clients on a on a level that is necessary when when we're actually talking about teaching development mm. you know learning anything teaching anything is is so deeply reliant upon clear communication mm, sure. that that if there's a if there's a breakdown in language barriers there um then the, there's a breakdown in in how effective that that teaching can be mm. and also schools that are employing people that, that have got very different technical philosophy so you'll you'll see instructors in the same uniforms delivering totally opposing um mm. you know, yeah technical 
content. Yeah. Um, and and that's where I, yeah, for me, the way that we need to, to move forwards as our organisation is make sure that, that, that we can have that strength of, um, of continuing to, to be bettering ourselves as far as how we teach, how we communicate, how we relate with clients and, and not just behave as a traditional ski instructor. So you have, you have, but you have, that means that you have then a, a, a set, for want of a better word, method. You have a, you have a, a clear philosophy in your school of how you will teach skiing that runs through we, all of your instructors, presumably because they're all yeah. ex or current Bayesi trainers, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and it, it comes back to, to that. They're, they're not all um, trainers. I think five out of the seven are trainers okay. that we've got. But we all share the same individual values if you like mm-hmm. um of of really listening to the clients and delivering what the clients want so that mm. idea of being genuinely learner-led is, mm. is an important part of uh, of of where we're going um as i say that's a that's a challenging place for for us to be um but it's something that that between the between our team we we're, we're having more regular more official um or not official, more planned opportunities for us to get together mm. and and talk about how we're working and how we're we're teaching and learn off each other, okay. and and almost evolve those philosophies together. It's tough, so, that isn't it? It's tough to get your whole team together on certain days. We've only well, got four in the season. Do you, yeah, do you know it, it was it's yeah really again? I think we're we're doing the same, and and even in in August when I was planning this. Um, I looked through the planner, and there was, there wasn't a day then mm. when every instructor was available for for the same afternoon. And the only way that I could make it happen um, was by rejuggling mm. some of the bookings that, that we had to yeah. to switch it from the afternoon in, into some mornings. Mm. Um, so, but but it's it's really important for us to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. actually, have have the time together to be able to. It's tremendously yeah. valuable to ski together as a team, swap yeah. ideas as a team, talk, change, change. And again, change I, ideas. I, I think it, it's something that I I hear more and more about from from clients. Mm. Um, and in fact, yeah, some of Becky's clients were were having the conversation with her about that idea of of integrity to philosophies and you know what are our philosophies because it's really obvious that there's, there's some common. Mm. Um, string that's holding us all together. Oh, so cool. it's interesting that, that clients recognise that. Yeah, and with this, so this concept of language and not being able to express your ideas properly mm. in a foreign language, which is which is true. Um, you know, it's not easy. Really, no, not easy. I'm, that. But so, so what? I think probably what we're both what we're both trying to say is that that. The process of becoming a qualified ski instructor in France is so say difficult, but also fiddly and compl- complex. Mm. Is whether you go through the British system, whether you transfer over from somewhere else, the yeah. paperwork involved in yeah. doing anything in France, yeah. as you know, is difficult. Totally. Um, you know, I'm not sure where a lot of these other guys are coming from. I know there's a lot of Italians kicking around, for example, in yeah. our region at the moment, yeah. who are who are coming in almost as um, yeah, there, there's, they're coming there, in like a, through almost like a nursing agency. You know, but there's like a an agency for ski instructors. 
Yeah. You pay them X amount an hour and they supply you some dude from Trentino or something. Yeah, there, there, there is a there is a growth of um, of non-British instructors working for the schools that are wanting to market themselves as British ski schools. Ah. And, yeah, on... Th- that's something that, that, in principle, I don't have any issues with at all. Mm-hmm. In, in the, over the, the years, we've had um, a couple of people... That, that have worked for us that aren't British instructors. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we've also had people that have worked for us that aren't Bayesian instructors. But what we've been really, really clear about is that their language skills are so good mm. that they, that they are not just language skills, there's a cultural understanding. Mm. That's that, I think that's what comes to the crux of it, is that, the, that we've had people that, that have... That, that understand the language and, and are so good with the language that they and understand the culture that they can really relate and connect with clients yeah. at any level. They, they understand the nuances, they understand mm. the jokes, they understand yeah, yeah. all those cultural references. And they, they've that. got those yeah. language skills to that depth that then what nationality they are isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing that... that I believe is is critically important is is that there is a common um, technical philosophy that that runs through a, a group of instructors that are working together. Mm. Um, for us, we've all come through the Bayesian system, so we've we've got that as a shared foundation of, of what we're all about. Mm. But again, we've we've employed people from the Austrian system, for mm. example, but we've done that knowing that they've got such a depth of understanding that they share the same philosophies that we've got. They've got a knowledge of Bayesian um, and what we talk about, so there isn't any conflict. Mm. Um, so we could have a client going out with one of our instructors one day and and one of these people the next day, and there is no compromise. Mm. Um, whereas I, for my standards... I could probably I could probably list and name the the people that I believe could come and do that. Mm. Um, and what I see on the hill, uh, it almost goes back to the days of when we first came here, of the the, the local French instructors speaking um, pretty you know decent English, uh, uh, conversational level English to to clients. Um, and teaching them to, to ski in a fairly mm. in a, in a way that it, that is quite different to um, the the values that technical values that we've had. Okay, isn't the I mean to go back to the the, the original point, the reason that, that that there is this what do you call it like a booking agency? The reason there's kind of Italian dudes and and, and mm. people from Austria and stuff here is that that there is a bottleneck, right? That there's not, you can't find enough instructors here. That seems to be the issue to me on the French side, is that that everyone's struggling to find people. I mean, isn't that why most schools are running like a level four training program? Because they hope that one of those yeah. guys will make it. Yeah, and definitely. And then they'll yeah. come back and work yeah. for them or something. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean... I think there's also a, a, a cultural thing is that, you know, people will want to... Um, yeah, so what we see here is a number of level fours that, that get qualified and go and set up 
uh, as independents or set up themselves. Mm. Um, and again, I, th- I don't know if that's a ge- generational thing, but uh, again, coming back to you know, my heritage and, and, and what's helped me become the instructor that, that I've been able to become is, is having that network of people around me that I can learn from. Mm. And and that and that's something that I value. That I'm not necessarily sure that that all instructors, as they're coming through the the system, value to the same extent. That actually being being able to surround yourself with with a depth of experience. Do you think that maybe when they get there, for they think, right, cool, I know it, and then I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. You don't think that they're serving that that I'm not trying to put words mm. in your mouth. Sure. Um, you know, they you. you Maybe they're not serving the apprenticeship necessarily, because the, because the way that the system is yeah. set up, right? You think yeah. you, you you do your it's, it's your not level just, four in yeah. your Eurotest, and you think, oh, cool, done. I it, literally know everything. It's I'm not off. just the, an apprenticeship. Uh, you know, I'm still yeah. If, I'm, if 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 it was the apprenticeship, I'm still doing it. Mm. Um, and it, it it's that once once you get qualified. In order, yeah, this is very, very much a personal thing, is, is for me to have the enthusiasm to keep going out teaching skiing every season, mm. it, I've got to be moving forwards. Mm-hmm. And if I, was doing, if I was teaching the same stuff as I was teaching 34 years ago in the same way that I was teaching it, I'd be very stale and probably quite mm. bored, bored of the industry by now. Um, but I'm still here enthused and motivated because I'm doing new stuff mm. and I'm, I'm still challenging myself. The the catalyst for me being able to do that is is the people that we've got in our team mm. and other sources. You know, naturally being in the training body has been a massive uh, a massive source of inspiration for me. Mm. Um, and hopefully that's something that I've been able to to bring back into our team so we can all share from that. Um, and for me, that that's where the idea of actually working in a pool of instructors is, is so valuable. That that's what's going to keep um, keep us as individuals moving forward, keeping us engaged in the industry, keeping the the passion alive for for going and and working with clients and and doing everything that we do. If I was out as an individual, yeah, mm. I, I wouldn't be. I don't think I would have got to half of where. The things that I've been able to yeah. do in, in teaching. It's going to be interesting. I know we said we weren't going to talk about Brexit, but the the March the twenty ninth thing is going to be very interesting because I I already see that there are some fully qualified guys that could be working in yeah. France yeah. who are over in Verbier, yeah. Zermatt probably, God knows where else, Villar mm. wherever. They're all earning decent money over there too. I think that's been a big um, change. Yeah. And actually, I don't think I've never. And, and actually, this is. I'm sure we talked about this once upon a time because my direction changed at some point. Yeah. So I'm more Swiss focused now yes. than yeah. than I, I ever was France focused. And, and there came a point when oh, we talked about this in Valdez. Yeah. I'm sure we did, yeah, we did. Where France wasn't the goal for me anymore, yeah. and the British system looks a little bit like me. Not at the lower levels, mm. I grant you, but at the top level, it looks a little bit France focused for me. And um, I don't think France is necessarily the land of milk and honey that it once was no, when you compare yeah. to what some of these yeah. guys are, are doing over on Swiss side in some of these 
some of these big resorts. I, I would totally agree, and, th- and that's a conversation that I've had with a few people recently. Um, and it's, you know, why why do people choose to go and get the, the, the level four? And I think a lot of people will choose to do it to achieve that stamp so they can go and work in France. Um, for me, when I came through the system, it it wasn't going to give me anything else other than than I had. It was very mm. much a personal journey. This yeah. is about right. I'm I'm going to go through the system. Um, there weren't the opportunities to go and work in France once mm. you once you had that that qualification then. Um, so that's something that that came after the the desire to to go and work through the system was very very much a, an intrinsic desire to to continue to get better and, and learn as much as uh, as I can. So and that, my Swiss that journey. Can, that's why yeah, I went to go and you, sit yeah. the full brevet. Yeah. Which is you know I want to be able to look the guys in the eye on the mountain with yeah. the same badge as me and say yeah. hey, that's, you know I went and sat that thing. Yeah. It wasn't easy. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and it is. Um, it it then comes back to that. That's the journey is continually striving to get better. Mm. There are some instructors that will do that, and the, there's others that that don't. That will have the badge and turn up to work and take the money and go home. Mm. Um, I suppose it, it depends on motivates you, and not everyone yeah. is is driven in the same way. Totally. All right, mm. I'm going to knock it on the head there. We've been chatting for a long time. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? I want to give everyone the opportunity to promote themselves. Not um, that you need any more promotion. I think everyone knows you. But. Uh, so if anybody wants to contact me about anything in particular, um, email jazz, J-A-Z, at britishskischool.com. Um, I'm based in Morsing with the British Alpine Ski School. Um, I'm still involved with Basie and the training body and the national education team. Fantastic. Jazz, thank you for welcoming to your house. Dave, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's lovely um, to chat to you always. It's it's lovely to have the opportunity to uh, to talk about something I'm so passionate about. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. <laughs>